This is episode six of Real Shift Radio with special guest Sean Peterson. Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready for security, balance, and freedom to do the things that you wanna do? It all starts with the shift. My name is Dominic Labriola. I'm a real estate broker and developer, and each week I sit down to speak with the most inspiring people in the real estate industry to bring you stories of shift, successes, challenges, aha moments, and overall best practices to help you live your best life. This is Real Shift Radio. Welcome back, shifters. Wow, the feedback you all are sharing really warms my heart. I want to take a quick minute to give a shout out to Sage Vosh, our shifter of the week who left this review of the show in iTunes. A real shift comes from within. Dominic gets this. He and his guests brings to life the principles of a fulfilled and prosperous life. If you want inspiration and insights, listen, then go and do it. Thank you, Sage Vosh, for listening and for sharing your kind words. Now on to this week's episode. Sean Peterson is here with us today in the Real Shift Studios to share his insight on building and maintaining an architecture firm that can respond to the growing needs of the digital age. He shares with us the story of developing his revolutionary online tool, underbuilt.com, and his best practices for undertaking such development. All that, and of course, much, much more, right here on Real Shift Radio. So give me a little bit of a backstory. You, where are you from? Okay, sure. Uh, Washington State um, grew up on 300-acre farm that was managed by my grandparents. And uh, my dad was a truck driver for a local egg company. Um, we stayed on the farm helping out grandparents run it for a number of years, um, and then uh, when I was six, we moved off the farm for my parents taking other work. And then when I was 14, we moved back onto the farm to take it over. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we um, let the grandparents retire, took over the farm, and uh, got slammed back into those you know summers of, I don't even know who my friends are. When does school start so I could see any friends? Because now we're farming all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. And then I went into... Um, I like CAD programming uh, through high school, so I did it in uh, uh, technical school, and that's what brought me down to California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got my bachelor's in industrial design, started designing cabinetry for high-end uh, condominiums um, through um, Italian companies, Italian uh, cabinetry, and um, when. 9-11 happened mm-hmm. that kind of fell through the floor no more imports mm-hmm. and so I had to reinvent myself a little bit reached out networked and then became a steel detailer mm-hmm. and I kind of niched myself in with these fabrication shops by taking a laptop with the AutoCAD program and saying I will do your steel detailing right here in your own office with the estimators mm-hmm. and we can hit the print button and they can go cut the steel for that project um, and that solidified the deal. I did that for a couple of years. Oh, wow. I was just 24 or 25 at the time. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of, again, reinvent Making myself, ends meet. And <laughs> making it happen. Uh, and uh, not in the worst of places. I was living in Laguna Niguel at the time. Mm-hmm. Beautiful <laughs> so spot. Doing okay. Doing okay. 
Um, but I, I, you know, you, after a certain direction, you kind of, you know, pick your head up and go, is this what I want to do? Like, is this, like, am I going to continue to do this? I need to hire people and getting busier. Now I have three steel companies vying for my attention. Um, I did, I brought a friend in, uh, to work with me and, uh, but in the, in the end, I really said, you know what, I want to get back into residential. I want to get back mm-hmm. into, um, you know, becoming an architect. Mm-hmm. And that's when an architect in uh, Los Angeles dialed my number off of, uh, you know, putting my resume online. Mm-hmm. And I had a great six years apprenticing at his firm before the market kind of went down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, welcome, Sean. Now let's reinvent ourselves again. <laughs> Uh, but I, I was holding on tight to, um, to architecture mm-hmm. I just was saturated in it already. And, um, um, I think this coming year marks my 10 years with the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art. Mm-hmm. And, um, all those relationships held me up. I, I went out on my own, um, but very soft landing, had great contacts, great recommendation from that employer. And uh, within six months, had my first project, even in a down market. Um, but it was the, the, the need for the information I had in understanding codes and designing homes in these very difficult areas, um, achieving design review council approvals on the first visit, um, because I brought three versions of the house with me because <laughs> I overheard, you know, being resourceful, overheard what they were approving and not approving. Uh-huh. So any opposition was like, oh, we want to reveal between this and this. And I go, I have that. <laughs> I have that, you know, and just kind of like, oh, well, that will work. And then snap yeah. my approval. Thank you. Um, but uh, it, was, it was the complication which kept me in business of this building code mm. that I felt should be, and it is free at all the building sites, but it's so complicated. I was like, you know, this could be one page. Mm. This could be simplified. This could be enough for people to make a decision to look further into a property or say that property is not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what Underbuilt is. Okay. It's that first look at a property that says, what do the building codes say I could build as far as a square footage? And what are my height restrictions and what are my setbacks? Like, where can that house be on this lot? Yeah. Uh, the rest is left up to you, Mr. Realtor, <laughs> <laughs> to help them understand the values. Yeah. And then my architecture firm to see their vision accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this brainstorm came. And yeah. how do you go about putting together... A product like this, you can't do it alone. You've got oh to. Oh my goodness! Got to bring no. on a team. Oh my goodness, no! So I had this, and just like uh, I think, really anybody with an idea that uh, is open enough to just share it with everybody, like tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, city officials, I'm at the building departments with my own projects, and I'm like, if I built this, you know, what do you think? And they're like, oh, the code's too complicated. <laughs> so there's their naysayers. Okay. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Why don't we offer this service right now, not automated? Like, I'll put up a website. Mm-hmm. I put up underbuilt.com. And it's, it showed two people being squeezed out of the roof of a house because it was too small. Yeah. And it said, do you want to build it bigger? Do you want to know what you can build on your property? Click this link. Email us the address. 
and in 24 hours we'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And I had my intern at the architecture firm doing these reports, like print screen on Google, research the code through our own in-house uh, books that we have, yeah. and come up with this report. And it took 45 minutes each. Wow. And Of um, diligent work, too. Of diligent to... <laughs> work, yes. That's, that's yes. quick. And that's with cheat sheets and like knowing the codes. And it took us 45 minutes mm. to, to put together this report that we could email to someone. And um, I sent a link to that website, underbuilt.com, and to everybody in my Outlook. Mm. I said, if you have a property and you want to know what you could do to it, or you're in due diligence with a client and uh, they're reluctant to sign your contract, test this out. Here's mm-hmm. an example. We did 88 reports <laughs> custom wow. in 60 days. And as soon as we accomplished 30 of them in a yeah. short span, maybe three weeks, we did 30 of them. And then it kind of, you know, uh, reduced towards the end there because we had helped everybody <laughs> yeah. was in my contacts folder. Um, I was already asking for software developers. I was mm-hmm. already putting it out there that I needed somebody to help automate this for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, how did you discover the people that that you got to help you build this software? Um, that's, that's actually a very interesting question because I didn't know how, I had no idea uh, who I would contact to build a website. I started calling companies that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to build mm-hmm. commerce websites. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going, you want to do what? <laughs> <laughs> you want to automate uh Port building based off of databases that have city codes in it, <laughs> and it, just that, just hearing it in their voice, they were like, um, "I could build you an eBay, but I don't know that I could build you this." Yeah. Um, so, I uh, again, just in my social environment, um, a friend of mine who I knew was in um, Oregon for plastics, getting mm-hmm. specialized. Uh, she's a surgeon. Was. Uh, on Facebook and uh, had a baby and was married and uh, the tag was near Woodland Hills. I'm like, oh crap, she's like, right there. She's back from Oregon. I gotta catch up with this lady. And uh, you know, we had been friends. It was only two years we lost touch, but so we had lunch. She asked what was going on. I told her about my my firm and uh, my, and underbuilt, and she's like, oh my god, my husband would love to um, hear about this. He does side work. He's been a developer now for 10 years for another tech firm. You should really show this to him. Mm. I said, okay. And uh, and that gentleman, very quickly, as in, like, made a fake version, not actually, like, tied into databases. Yeah. Within two months, proved to me it could work. Wow. There was, uh, I typed in an address that he gave me, because it only worked for one address. And it brought up a map, it highlighted a property, and then gave me just some garbly gook, like, math. That yeah. he said, don't worry, it'll look better than it'll this. It'll look better. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a friend uh, that I lost touch with that had a post on Facebook that had a husband that knew software development. Wow. And he introduced me to my current business partner. Okay. And he's been full-time uh, developer. His wife is also a surgeon, hmm. and that's how they knew each other. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So that's how we got built. Cool. Yeah. So 
tell me about some of the challenges that you've faced. Oh my goodness. Let's let's start with kind of the the economic downturns. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest thing that stands out for you? Uh, lifestyle, right? Mm. I think that everyone is um, working for comfort. So you put in a certain level of effort and you wake up in the morning with the willpower to deliver that effort. And that effort in return gives you your lifestyle, whether it's financial gains to afford it. I mean, that's a lot of it. Um, once you get comfortable with that and yourself, maybe you've discovered it. Now you're more attractive to a mate and then you guys have lives combining and complicates things, but you're always mm-hmm. looking for comfort mm-hmm. and lifestyle mm-hmm. plays into that for me. So, um, I've been known to never be comfortable <laughs> <laughs> that when you think I might be comfortable, I'm always reaching for the next level. Mm-hmm. the next and the next and um, it's it's a hunger inside me I really can't explain it uh, if I get comfortable I get worried hmm. I get stagnation is an enemy of mine I can admit that now mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Underbuilt will be ever evolving because of that mm-hmm. uh, my architecture firm will have creative product that hits every customer's property because of that. So I'm not fighting it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm letting it roll as the CEO of these companies to um, our best benefit. Mm-hmm. And um, these downturns, and uh, you'll hear this from uh, more than just me, that uh, it spawns creativity. Mm-hmm. And um, that is the truth. I could, I'm a result of that. I think the downturn forced creativity, it forced interaction. If I was comfortable with the, you know, maybe 30 people I interacted with in a year's time to Mm -hmm. deliver um, contracts or um, that lifestyle, now it's 200. Mm -hmm. You know, downturn market, I have to be in touch with 200 people to sustain my comfortableness and my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you're not one that's willing to spread yourself out that thin and cast that type of net, mm. um, that small amount of people that you're in touch with won't hold you up through a downturn very well. Sure. That's kind of uh, my survival tactics through 9-11 in the industry I was mm-hmm. in, and then the, the banking fallout in, in mortgage that affected residential building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, those were big hurdles that really resourcefully and um, socially I was able to, to maneuver. Mm. Yeah. So how do you meet new people that, that you feel like you can work with? Oh, oh, geez. Um, well, I have bitten a lot of bullets that I mean in the terms of financially. Mm. <laughs> You know, you make a decision uh, based off of maybe it's a relationship favor type thing. A contractor calls you and says, uh, hey, this is work for me. I could really use it. Um, can you help me with this project? Can you help me get it permitted or something? And, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes that gets you into relationships with people that you wouldn't want to actually be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, 
I've done my best to not only um, choose my clients carefully, mm-hmm. um, but also um, not uh, completely turn someone down. I think no is a horrible word, for instance. Mm. I think uh, maybe is a um, horrible word. Mm-hmm. I think uh, potential is better. I think um, saying that, honestly, we might not be the right fit, but I have someone else for you. Mm -hmm. So that's not the no. That's a not with us, but I have someone else that can help you. So you're not, it's not a dead end, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so keeping those next level referrals um, in any industry you're in, I think is a good way to where you keep a good name for yourself in mm-hmm. in your market to where people won't be afraid to say you know what Sean might not be the best fit he might not you know work directly with you but he knows who will take care of you sure and I'll tell you what I get some of those calls they'll call in and they'll say I understand you are, uh, own an architecture firm and you typically do this but do you know anybody that does this I just had an email today from another architect. I have a coffee shop owner too small for uh, maybe the work that you do and too far away in the valley, but they need a kitchen designed and permitted for their little coffee shop. And uh, do you know anyone? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of reach out is fantastic. Yeah. So not saying no is a big part of it and saying maybe not with us, but here's someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a daily practice that you, what, what's your day start like and mm. what's in a daily routine for you? Sure. Um, as far as work ethic uh, balance, and then I'll back it up to personal, mm-hmm. uh, work ethic balance is uh, in the construction and design industry, design is late in the morning and construction is early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I call contractors first thing in the morning mm-hmm. because uh, if their needs aren't met by noon, it's not going to happen till the next day. Sure. Um, and so uh, the clients, if they hear um, from the contractor and the contractor says, I talked to Sean this morning, that's the first thing out of the mouth. Yeah. If that contractor says that they talked to their architect before they even contacted the client at 9 a.m. or something like that, yeah, they're just like, they feel supported. Mm-hmm. And that's important in our firm is to um, know that we, even though there's a lot of plates in the air, um, we actually have a pinky finger, if not a whole hand on that plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that's important to me. So it's calling contractors first, calling clients next. Uh, mm. Meeting with my team um, each morning uh, individually. Mm. On Mondays, we meet as a team as a whole mm-hmm. um, to see if there's some slack that can be picked up or something that's um, being punched home on a Wednesday. So Thursday, Friday, this person's available. Mm. Um, and then I need to meet one on one individually because I'm out in the field meeting with clients and uh, bringing stuff in the office that kind of changes the priority sequences. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when I kind of sneak stuff in, like, hey, I need to move this wall over a couple of inches and send the contractor a, <laughs> a, a new dimension plan, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of create waves in that organization, um, and that's how the afternoons pan out. Mm. Um, now, personally, uh, I wake up uh, 
I set an alarm, but I call it the emergency switch. <laughs> Normally, I'm well, I'm awake well before that. Okay. And so I may, um, as soon as I wake up, roll out of bed. Just put one foot on the ground, because if you don't, you'll lay there. You'll think about stuff. You'll overthink about stuff. You'll basically ruin your own day before you get out of bed. <laughs> and trust me, I, it's from experience. I'll be like, oh, I have to do this. Or, oh, man, I have like, all of a sudden you feel overwhelmed and you haven't even started your day yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I really do. I wake so you up. literally ground yourself. I literally put a foot <laughs> on the ground. And it might take a second. Eh, call it a minute before the other foot hits the ground. Sure. Like I'm, I'm like everyone else. But putting that foot on the ground and uh, and getting in the shower every morning mm-hmm. uh, just starts it fresh. There's um, there's something to be said about uh, about getting straight into the shower and do your thinking there if you have to, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then get through. Just start your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any mantras that you repeat or? Hmm. Interesting. There's like advice that echoes in my head. Mm-hmm. Sometimes after the fact, which is the worst part. <laughs> you're like, late than never. Yeah, you're like, oh, and then you remember, right? Um, the first one I would say was in the downturn uh, after 9-11 that, um, again, small town guy, just thankful to have work, thankful for uh, relationships, and uh, still that way today. But I remember going to a guy's house I did some side work for. He owed me $800. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a big deal to this gentleman. The home was amazing. Sure. Really good to go. But to me, it was rent. Yeah. You know, it was just... And I came by, and we're talking about stuff. We're talking about fish tanks. He has one. I like fish tanks. And uh, and then I'm, I'm about walking out the door, and he goes, weren't you here to get a check for me? And I go, yeah, that would be great. And he wrote, writes out this check, hands it to me. And as he's handed it to me, I go, I really appreciate this. And then he pulls it away from me. And he says, you can't take appreciation to the bank. <laughs> and then he hands me the check. That goes through my mind more often than anything. Wow. Is that you deserve to be paid. In hmm. that, uh, you know, billing monthly opposition to some of the charges that might come on a bill that maybe expectations weren't met. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't take appreciation to the bank. Mm. That, uh, that goes through the mind quite often. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Do you have any aha moments that, I mean, mm. certainly your, <laughs> your company came to be because of something that... Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, I have failed more than you have seen the success. Um, the uh, uh, started a website to um, close the market gap with commercial listing availability for office space. Um, LoopNet, uh, I'm not the only one with this opinion, but is horrible with their listing qualities and yeah. the um, the fact that there are a lot of dead ones out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine wanted to do Chicago Pizza in downtown LA and contacted six different locations, got zero calls back. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, I jumped on board. It's like, let me try. Let me make some relationships. Let me make some calls. And uh, I got one call back out of five. <laughs> 
And, uh, and I asked that gentleman, I was like, what's with this? You know? And so, you know, I recognize that there easily could be some form of a service that's out there that mm-hmm. if there's a listing on that site that it could email once a week, the person that generated it, is this still active? Yeah. Hit the yes button and it stays up. Hit, you know, don't hit yes one time. Ooh, it's kind of now the clients or whoever's searching the site might see another color on that listing. Yeah. Like hasn't been confirmed in over ten days. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I I had that site created. Um, it stumbled in, in getting funding. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to compete in that size market with LoopNet and uh, CoStar. They were separate at the time. Now they've been bought out each other. But mm-hmm. um, so I I'd say that was uh, it was set up well, but it wasn't perfect and it failed. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I've had other ideas. Let's give your listeners a gem. Maybe they'll make this happen. Okay. okay? So <laughs> let me give you this gem here. Okay. <laughs> so Google is driving cars down streets and giving you street views and stuff. Yeah. Um, what I don't like about online e-booking and stuff is that the browsing is really um, the book faces, which is fine. But when you're in a library, you're looking at binder edges. Mm-hmm. And um, then a few of them are turned over because maybe that's their you know hot spot. They want you to see this uh, label. But I really thought that um, if they just robotically, because the Roomba knows where walls are, um, had cameras each morning before the place opened and went down every aisle of those bookstores and mm-hmm. had that as you're browsing, you're browsing real images of that day of product on the shelves, mm-hmm. um, then uh, you'd see more success in the ability to get uh, books sold online or mm-hmm. even ebooks to be downloaded or people to walk into your store. Foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a free one. Cool. I have these ideas quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you pick yourself back up from a failure like like mm-hmm. the, the commercial site? That was, that was tough. I poured two years into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to let it go. I had um, maybe one or two VCs that were circling. As far as I received terms, um, I had proof of funds from this VC, but um, the uh, proving of risk, uh, diversification within the industry, um, you know, seemed to be a problem. And so, you know, I kind of took it as a learning lesson of, of market research. Um, before you dive in as mm-hmm. heavy as I had. Um, and so dissolving that company was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have boxes of the research. Like I, for some reason, I still can't even like let it go. Throw it away. You know, I still have the, the company binder on the shelf, you know, with all the corporation documents and uh, mm-hmm. everything. Um, so it's still a part of me today, even though it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so dealing with it, I have no idea how I'm dealing with it. It's still in the closet. <laughs> but the lessons that you've learned from that experience have certainly shaped your success and development of your new sites. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, you know, the uh, creation of the site just to gauge interest Um with, uh, you know, email us your address, click here, and and we'll get you something in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Then pricing it, uh, market research for pricing. What will people pay for that? 
I sent my intern down to building and safety and I gave him a hundred sheets of paper with five questions on it. I was like, get some answers. Yeah. Um, he was inside the department. He was talking to people. Uh, I guess one guy missed his number being called and it's like a 45 minute wait. Oh man. <laughs> and so they kicked him out. Ah. So he had to go out in front of the building. Um, but, uh, he ended up getting 77 responses, mm. anywhere from, uh, um, you know, $75 to $500 huh. um, to not go down to the city to discover this information. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that kind of uh, thinking of, you know what, it'll cost me eight hours for this gentleman to go down there. And the information he's going to get back is invaluable mm -hmm. because um, uh, to gauge the quality of your early adopters to stick around on a website at launch um, is really about pricing compared to value. Mm -hmm. And if you have um, a new market, something you're breaching that nobody's even thought of this idea yet, mm -hmm. how do you put a number on it? You know, everybody goes, oh, this is amazing. You know, oh yeah, I'd pay, I'd pay a lot for that. And then all of a sudden they go, oh crap, I really need it. But I don't have that much money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so can I talk to somebody about getting a discount? And so, um, uh, we recognize the pocketbooks of our customers mm -hmm. and and who we really see does um, understand its value, mm -hmm. and it might have narrowed our market a little bit, um, but at the same time, those are the people that appreciate it the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those failures. Um, with that uh, commercial real estate uh, definitely present itself in early stages with underbuilt and uh, I'm n learning new lessons now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> learning new lessons. What's the best business advice you've ever received beyond the gentleman that, uh, <laughs> that so sticks with you? Uh -huh. Oh gosh, best business advice. Um, you know, I, I dive my head into a few books, but I, I have to admit that I rarely get to the back page. Mm. <laughs> I get in, get what I kind of thought I needed out of that book, and then I set it aside. Uh, probably not the best thing to do. Um, but uh, I think in tech, which is completely different, obviously, than architecture, in tech, you need to um, send it out to your market in whatever form it is and have a method of retrieving feedback as fast as possible. Mm. Um, build, test, and pivot is um, you know, the, the biggest, and I think the biggest business for tech and user interface, interface product mm -hmm. um, lesson that I've learned out of uh, not just one book, but a few. Build, test, get your feedback, and pivot. Mm. What relationships have you forged in business that have been the most profitable for you? Mm, that's a good question. I uh, early in my architecture firm's um, you know kind of path, it was uh, contractors. Contractors were calling me saying, "I've got one. <laughs> you know, we're in a mm -hmm. down market. It's fifty thousand dollars to do this kitchen and bath." Can it work for that price? You yeah. know, and how much would you charge? And and really, it was contractors' relationships that were bringing me work. And thankfully, 
in short order, I've been able to return it back to them. Mm. Um, just shortly after contractors were getting me work, now it was decorators. Mm. Um, and decorators were saying, Sean, you know, I don't necess- necessarily need a permit, but the cabinet guy that I work with needs shop drawings. You mm-hmm. know? So um, even though they were the design aesthetic, um, I didn't mind. I'll have my team produce it for you. They can be your support staff. Mm-hmm. And originally, uh, in 09, um, the company's name was Peterson Design Services mm. because I was supplying services to those that didn't have drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we were doing more than just drafting. It was um, um, you know, permitting. Uh, an architecture firm would call me up and say, if I design it, I don't have the PMs anymore in the house. Can you uh, submit these plans? Can you do the construction documents and get the permit? Mm-hmm. And um, so it was contractors, then it was decorators, then it was architecture firms that were getting contracts but didn't have staff. Mm. Um, and then it was um, from my own designs, now it's, uh, it's homeowners, uh, developers, real estate agents trying to gauge the quality of the the project or the the home that's for sale or that they're listing to attract developers, mm-hmm. attract the clients that I'm in touch with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I can give back to both the decorators and give back to those contractors by inviting them to bid on the designs when um, now I have a referral base that's coming directly from the property owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say for relationships on underbuilt um, that were the most important was um, in the originally it was developers. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of developers that owned property that weren't they weren't ready to put up a hundred percent risk to develop the land, and so they said, "Sean, help me find other developers that would want to JV this joint venture." Mm-hmm. And that's how I put out the word that I knew these certain developers had this land at this price, and eventually I heard. Um, I have this customer that is buying these size properties and tearing them down, building for this and selling for this. Mm-hmm. So I tapped a gentleman on the shoulder and said, let's get our people to meet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I'd say my early relationships that helped form Underbuilt would be developers that uh, were holding steady, waiting for the right time to develop their properties. And also... Um, my associations through the AIA and also the ICAA because those relationships is how I found buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, local organization and um, uh, just being friendly in my own market, mm-hmm. knowing the people that had product to connect them. What's been the most joyful relationships that have formed from that? Oh, geez. Um, I have contractors I vacation with yearly. We go down to Mexico and, and go fishing, deep sea mm-hmm. fishing tournaments uh, with you know contractors and his wife. And um, so it, it does trickle over into the personal side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really um, where I get most of my enjoyment. I think you had mentioned balance earlier, mm-hmm. right? Hey, don't get me wrong that designing a, a beautiful structure that is appealing to a majority and um, 
pleases the owner um, or developer in a way to where it sold for the line that he needed or mm -hmm. um, it rented for, you know, 25% over what their expectations were. Um, you know, I do get enjoyment from that because I get mm -hmm. referrals too and I have happy customers and now my 40, well, let's be honest, it's more like a 70 hour week, um, is filled with happy people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, when I get a relationship to where, uh, now it, it goes to where let's leave business aside and let's go explore, um, you know, on the personal side. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the most enjoyable to me. I like to travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What excites you and drives you every day? Excites me and drives me every day. Okay. Um, what excites me is about the new opportunities that are going to come uh, from a phone call, an email, or just even bumping into someone on the street. Mm -hmm. um, I seriously, from visiting a property that I just finished, it was about to be listed, um, and uh, a Prius pulls up and says, do you have something to do with this property? And I go, yeah, I designed this house. And they're like, we've been looking for you. <laughs> And uh, we own two homes across the street, and we want to uh, to you know knock them down and build new ones and get married in the backyard. Oh wow! I said, yeah, "Well, let's get started." <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and so uh, I feel honored. You know, they mm. want to they want to freshen up the property and, and get married in the backyard and make memories. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, that keeps me going. I'd say um, there's always that one or one or two moments in a relationship with a client that gets tense. That usually has to do with schedule or money. Mm. Um, but as long as we're all level-headed, we all understand we're a victim of the process, and we can then say, "Okay, could I have done that better? Could this person have done that better?" and we have that conversation in the midst of this turmoil, mm -hmm. um, then there's a general understanding that it's going to get better, you know? And um, that uh, problem-solving on the fly is, um, is something that my parent, uh, sorry, my, uh, well, of course my parents, but also my uh, colleagues recognize as a strong suit of mine. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Those challenges, understanding that I have the tools to get past them, and also the enjoyment of, of my clients um, after the process is over, that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, we're talking about you know 18-month relationships, mm -hmm. and uh, at the end, um, you'll get referrals, um, and they'll say that they know that person, but you don't get to walk through that house again very often. Mm. And so... When I finish a house and I'm walking through it, I'm really absorbing it, mm -hmm. really falling in love with it again, just like when I was designing it. What do you see yourself creating in the next couple of years? I, I see that. Couple of years, huh? Couple year window. Well, I've created a monster that is of uh, both my architecture firm and Underbuilt. Mm. I mean by monsters that they're going to exceed all my expectations. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm not constantly reaching uh, you know, to the phone saying, I need help, I need help. But um, I want to you know, slowly expand the firm. But um, mm -hmm. I got to tell you, being first to market with Underbuilt, we can't be slow. And so um, 
two years creating. Um, I don't know that it'll be a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a spinoff of the current businesses I have um, uh, to the capacity of, of actually not just offering only information on property like Underbuilt does, but the next level of customer care, which is uh, due diligence, um, uh, which you know is really um, hard to find the right people to do, to trust early. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, if I offered that, um, maybe that'd be a spinoff, mm-hmm. um, maybe a small team in local areas that could offer that service. But uh, expansion of Underbuilt in the next two years, I'd really like to be in the top five metropolitan areas um, mm. in the United States. Awesome. That's where I see that. Very cool. Yeah. So you're engaged and... Yes, sir. How does she, how does she put up with you being so oh, much of a hard worker? <laughs> Yes, uh, it was just two weeks ago. Uh, she said, Sean, here's a basketball. She had a brand new basketball rolled to my feet. And I was like, oh my goodness, I haven't played basketball in a year. She's like, I know. <laughs> and um, I immediately walked to the nearest court and played basketball together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, if it's not in my trunk, it's uh, at the front door, you know. Mm-hmm. And her recognizing, um, that yes, I work a lot, and she will, you know, attest to that for sure. But her recognizing um, that I might be off balance, mm-hmm. and you know what'll balance him? This, and I'll do this either for him or I'll hit him upside the head and say, "You need to do this a little more because you're a little off balance." Mm-hmm. I mean, who could ask for more? I have to marry this girl, <laughs> and I will next week. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's coming <laughs> soon. The wedding is next week. <laughs> oh my goodness! Saying that, both of us are like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah. Good, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. She holds me up. I mean, really, I could, I could not imagine accomplishing as much in mm-hmm. a shorter time uh, without her. I now remember <laughs> how we actually first met. She, oh, yeah. At, at a networking event, she oh. gave me your card, and oh. she's, the, she's the one now. It all comes back. <laughs> she so. is a networking guru. Yeah. And that's right. I think I remember at the Hotel Safatel. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got invited from a, another realtor that uh-huh. I met through a couple of properties, and I gave her half a stack of underbook <laughs> cards, and I said, you're this side of the room, I'm this side. Yep. That's right. All right. Uh, thank you for remembering. <laughs> now it comes to light. <laughs> What's your burning desire? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Burning desire. I don't know if I've told anyone about this, but uh, my dad has just uh, retired. Mm-hmm. He tried. Anyway, I'll, I'll say he tried. He's still on a tractor occasionally, but my brother took over the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my burning desire is really to uh, establish a, um, a a good rapport with my family up in Washington mm-hmm. and um, be a support system for the family farm. It's a family business. Mm-hmm. I've been removed from it for so long, mm-hmm. um, and my brother's doing so great. And my dad did wonderful when he was operating it. Mm. Um, 
you know, and we're talking about with a, you know, a 60 inch blade mower, it still takes two hours to mow what's just grass yeah. on the property. You know, it's, it's large. Um, and so I think that's his retirement is take care of the land that isn't a crop. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my burning desire, it, it's starting to get fueled more and more as I envision family of my own mm-hmm. uh, with my fiance, soon to be wife and I having children that um, uh, being closer to them is, is becoming a, a burning desire for mm-hmm. me. And if it's not getting them down here, mm-hmm. uh, it's splitting my life uh, up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I uh, see that coming. <laughs> nice. Do you have a vision of the world? Oh, huh. A vision of the world. Um, I travel a little, little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say a little bit, but uh, I love to travel and I want to travel more. And yeah, I think everybody kind of has those aspirations. But um, I get really sensitive um, thinking about the world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times... Um, even driving in from, uh, you know, the grapevine, coming down the five in, in the evenings, and you see all these lights, and you're just seeing all these people that are, um, that you're driving into their environment. And, uh, you know, I try to ignore some of the news, but the facts are that we're affecting this planet as a, you know, as a species, and um, our ever-growing awareness as a species as as a race rather than um, uh, groups here groups there um, the sharing of information of like this is what's happening over here mm. and watching these revolutions happen out of um, people's standing up with the idea of I deserve um, what others have it's 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 an interesting thing that we're noticing with social media and the connectivity of all of us mm-hmm. um and everybody's kind of like well what is the best and there's just eyeballs on the united states mm-hmm. like they've got to figure it out and then it's like well wait we just had our you know mortgage crisis like we just <laughs> we're not infallible you know like yeah. we, we can fail over here and so um man, the presidents that are coming up for the U.S. Um, that are not only having the eyeballs on us for what is right, but also um, uh, think about just um, the NFL that's experiencing recently, um, personal life, having consequence in your workplace, mm-hmm. that if you're this type of person outside of, uh, outside of football, you can't play. Um, and... Uh, you know, if somebody said to me, oh, um, you just got a DUI, you can't work at your architecture firm anymore, um, I'd have a big question mark about that. Uh, even if the eyeballs are on me for my firm, maybe it's the largest in Southern California and everybody's looking, and, you know, I understand kids look at NFL players like I want to be them, but um, so there's responsibility with that. But this personal decision versus professional um it's kind of like i guess let me sum it up like this we're all becoming rock stars Mm -hmm. in our own way because there is a social awareness of who you are in your personal life Mm -hmm. regardless of what you do for a profession Mm -hmm. and background checks for employment that are invading that 
social space mm-hmm. um, to make decisions on employability is um, is changing the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't call it, well, maybe I would call it discrimination, but there's a balance of rights that hasn't been discovered yet. And mm-hmm. uh, so my view of the world as a big scale, we need help. Mm. <laughs> I think uh, um, as a, as a, as a world, as a race, we need help. I think we're kind of grasping at straws as to who's doing it better and who has the best ideas. Um, and then as a U.S. country, I think um, we need to take, uh, don't treat it lightly as the responsibility of having eyeballs on us. Mm. Then as a, as a state or local government, I think there uh, you know, needs to be same level of responsibility for looking out at other states and how they're operating and what's best for um, their state as a part of the country. And then as it gets smaller, um, uh, I really think that as neighbors and um, finding out our place in socially with our local environment, mm-hmm. um, just being at peace and recognizing that um, you and I are standing in front of each other. It took me 37 years to stand in front of you today. Mm. Took you your 31. amount of years, yeah. right? Completely different experiences have come through our lenses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if for any reason you take that experience to um, judge somebody that you are standing in the same room with and put negative influence and in how you're going to treat that person. Mm. Um, I think you have a lot of work to do on yourself. Mm. Yeah. And, um, I think from the global aspect to that last statement, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really hope that the youth of, of the world can find themselves and center themselves and balance themselves well enough to treat the next person, um, better. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's my view of the world. Mm. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. I sure. uh, I think that this has been a really nice conversation. And thanks for having me. I uh, I'm really excited about what you do, and I am well, thank you. thankful for everything that you create. And just want to acknowledge you for that. So. I will keep going. You know that from this interview that I really can't stop. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Tom. I want to thank Sean Peterson for sitting down to talk to me and for sharing his truth with Real Shift Radio. Shifters, thank you for joining me. Keep listening, sharing, commenting. I want to hear from you. Next week, I'm back here with a real estate great, Efron Smith, who is truly moving and making a big impact as both a co-founder of Partners Trust and one of its top producing realtors, plus the president of a global network of boutique real estate brokerages called Leverage Global Partners, which is rapidly expanding to hundreds of marketplaces across the world. You will not want to miss this episode, so tune in next week. Until then, shifters, keep it real.